Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of Life Church in Perry, Georgia. Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in. This is Pastor Tim McLaughlin, lead pastor here at Life Church in Perry, Georgia. We're so glad that you uh, have chose to listen to these podcasts. Uh, as always, I pray that they are a blessing to you, that they're an enrichment to you. The reason we do these uh, is, you know, our heart's desire here at Life Church is to follow the great commission that the Lord laid out for us, and that is to make disciples. Disciples are people that uh, not only learn, but they love to learn. And so I, I want to be a lifelong learner. I pray that you do also. Uh, again, our, our motto or our slogan around here is we want to encourage, we want to uh, equip you, we want to, uh, to, to see you just uh, blessed by the things of God, by the Word of God. And uh, so again, thank you so much for tuning in. Let's jump into this today. Uh, we're going to look at Romans chapter 5 verses 12 through 21. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 through 21. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and go to Romans 5, 12 through 21. Last week we started in Romans chapter 5 and we began to look at this, uh, at the practical benefits of the gospel, the practical benefits of the gospel. Uh, the Apostle Paul shared with us seven major blessings that every believer should possess. Every uh, believer possesses. Number one, peace with God through Jesus Christ. Uh, if you're a believer, if you're born again, if Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, you have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Number two, you have access to God because of Jesus Christ. We can, we can enter into the throne of grace. We can, we can make our petition known to Him. Number three, we have hope in Christ Jesus, a confident expectation uh, that, that, that uh, uh, Jesus Christ has is, is come once and He's coming again in glory and in power. Number four, we have glory in tribulation. What does that mean? Listen, listen, Jesus told us there's going to be trials, there's going to be tribulations, uh, but He said He has overcome the world. And so we take we take hope in that. We have, we have glory in tribulations. They're not always easy. They're not something that we look forward to, but they're something that we can get through because of Jesus Christ. Number five, uh, that we are eternally secure in Christ Jesus. We are eternally secure. Now, don't misunderstand what I said. Uh, what we're, there, there's no such thing as once saved, always saved. However, if you are truly born again, if you are in Christ Jesus, if you're living for Him regularly, then you have the promise to be eternally secure in Christ Jesus. Now, if you choose to walk away from Him, if you choose to not obey the Word of God, if you choose to do your own thing, Paul gives us several examples in, in Galatians chapter 5 and Romans chapter 1 and even in the book of Revelation where he gives us a list of things that we shall not do. And if we do those things, Paul says in Galatians 5, if we practice these things, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. But if we, if we understand that we're quick to repent, even when we make mistakes, all of sin and come short of the glory of God, but when we're quick to repent, ask God to forgive us, he is faithful to do uh, those things and, and we are eternally secure. Number six, we we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We rejoice. Listen, if you're not getting up every morning thanking God, hey, I can, I, 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 I'm up. I woke up this morning. Um, 
man, I've got food on the table. I've got a roof over my head. I've, I've got the Spirit of God living inside of me. You know, just find things to be thankful. Last week in our service, I showed a video uh, to, to everybody in the congregation uh, of um, Johnny Erickson Tata. And, and she has been, since 17 years old, she has been a quadriplegic. And yet to listen to her talk and to listen to her minister, to listen to her share her testimony, read the books that she's written, this woman rejoices. She, she rejoices in the things of God through Christ Jesus, and yet she's a quadriplegic. Surely we can find things to rejoice of. And number seven, we have been reconciled to Him. Because of Jesus Christ, every born-again believer has been reconciled under God. This is a blessing that we have through Christ Jesus our Lord. Then in verse 9 last week, we begin to look at Paul laid out for us five much mores. He gives us five much more statements. And uh, we begin to look at two of those last week. The first one we looked at was much more deliverance from wrath. As a child of God, we, we have the promise that we will be delivered from the wrath of God and much more so. Secondly, we looked at much more in preservation by his resurrection. Uh, again, we, we talked about this just a second ago as we were talking about the fact that we have hope in Christ. We have eternal security in Christ Jesus for the born again. So we have been preserved by his resurrection because the fact that Jesus Christ is not in the tomb, he is risen from the grave, he has ascended uh, to, to the right hand of God the Father. We also who are in Christ are preserved in his resurrection. The rest of chapter 5 uh, that we're going to start looking at today serves as a bridge between the first part of the letter, uh, the first uh, five, well, the first four and a half, I should say, first four and a half chapters, um, and then the the remaining chapters. So this we, we begin a transition right here where it serves as a bridge uh, to the to what is getting ready to come in the next three chapters. Uh, the Apostle Paul has has linked it with the first part by picking up the subjects of condemnation through Adam and justification through Christ. And he, he shows us that the work of Christ far outweighs in the blessings that we have uh, of, of what Adam did. With Adam, there was nothing but misery and loss because of sin. But in Christ, we, we have this blessing that far outweighs the misery and the loss. The, the second part of chapter 5, again, as we, as we look at these things, again, it's linked to chapter 6 through 8 moving us from justification to sanctification and from acts of sin to, to sin uh, in human nature. So, so let's begin and let's pick this up in verse number 12 of Romans chapter 5. Paul says, Therefore, just as through one man's sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Adam is a is portrayed as the representative of all those who are in the old creation. Christ, on the other hand, is presented as the representative of all those who are in the new creation. 
When we use the word representative, we, we use this word to think of those who um, today that we have elected to serve in public office, those that we have voted on and elected to serve as congressmen, senators, uh, those in our local uh, officials, governors, uh, and even our president. These are all representatives uh, that should act for uh, those that are underneath them. So as we elect these people, they're supposed to serve us as our representative. For example, when the president of the United States signs a bill into law, he is acting as a representative for the citizens of our country. Now, this is not always the case in the nation that we currently live in, but it's the way that our government was set up. It's the way our founding fathers put things into practice, and it's the way that God put things into place. See, in Adam's case, as a representative, as a result of his sin, human death entered into the world. Death became the common lot of all Adam's descendants because all had sinned in him. It's true that they all committed individual acts of sin as well, but that's, that's not the thought here. What the Apostle Paul is trying to get across to us is that Adam was a representative and, and the, all of his generation uh, after him were reckoned as having sinned in Adam. Uh, some might object and say, well, no, Eve, not Adam, committed the first sin on the earth. And, and that's true. But since Adam was the first to be created, he was the headship. God had given him this, this position of headship over Eve. So he is seen as the acting, uh, he, he's seen as the one that is acting for all of his descendants because he was the first creation of God. So he took the responsibility even for Eve and for all those after him, all those descendants that followed after him. And so all those after Adam were born into sin because of Adam. Verses 13 through 14 says, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. First, the, the Bible teaches that all men are sinners, both by nature and also by practice. By nature, in the fact that we are all uh, descendants of, of Adam, and but also in practice because we all fall short of the glory of God. Every born, everyone born of human parents inherits Adam's sin as well as sin by his own deliberate choices. Uh, secondly, we know that the wages of this sin is death, both physical, both a physical death and a spiritual death, which is uh, eternal separation from God. Spiritual death is that, that if we don't repent, if we don't get our hearts right, if we don't make Jesus Lord of our life and turn from our wicked ways, we will be eternally separated from God uh, forever. The, the good news is that the gospel, with this gospel, no one 
has to pay the penalty of that sin. Okay, that's that's what the good news is. The good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of the gospel, no one has to pay the penalty of sin unless he or she wants to. Understand, it's a choice. This is important because God paid an enormous cost by sending His Son to die as a substitute for all sinners. Salvation from sin and its wages is offered as a free gift through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 13, Paul demonstrates that Adam's sin affected the whole world. His, he first points out that sin was in the world during the period from Adam to the giving of the law by Moses. But during that time, during that process, during the time of where sin entered into Adam until the time the law was given, there, there was no clear revelation of the law of God. See, understand, Adam received a clear oral commandment from the Lord. He was told what to do and what not to do. But then many centuries later, through Moses, God gave us the Ten Commandments. And these were a distinct written revelation of the divine law. So let me say that again. Adam received a clear oral commandment, but through Moses, we received a clear written commandment. But during this time, between the oral and the written, during this time, men did not have a legal code from God. Therefore, although there was sin during this time, there was no transgression. Because transgression is a violation of a known law. We talked about this last week. If you are speeding through a neighborhood where you know kids are present, but there's no speed limit sign, you know that you have broken a law. You know that what you're doing is not right. But as soon as I put up a speed limit that says 20 miles an hour, and then you're still speeding, now it's become transgression. First, you knew it was wrong because you shouldn't be doing that in an area where it could be detrimental to others. But as soon as I put up a sign and you see the sign and you do that, now it becomes transgression because you were made aware of your wrong. The only exception of this death by sin is through the man Enoch. Genesis chapter 5 verse 22 through 24 says, after he begat Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Enoch is the only man that did not die as a result of the sin of Adam. Because Enoch believed in God, so therefore he walked with God. He God took him up. I always imagine this. I love teaching about Enoch. <clears throat> that Enoch, probably as a boy, asked Adam what it was like to be with God in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam would have shared these things with his great-great-great-grandson Enoch. And Enoch so got a hold of that that he began to walk with God and talk with God and spend time with God and desired to do what God wanted him to do. And God so enjoyed being with Enoch that he just brought Enoch straight into heaven, much like he did with Elijah, because Enoch... Uh, did not die like everyone else died because of the sin of Adam. 
So if men had no written law to transgress, then why did they die? The answer is they died because they sinned in Adam. Remember, this has nothing to do with salvation. All those who put their faith in the Lord were saved eternally, but they died physically just the same. And the reason they died was because of the sin of the representative, Adam. Because their representative died in sin, they also died in sin. In his role as representative, Adam was a type and shadow of him who was to come. That is Jesus. The Apostle Paul will begin to develop this subject more in the coming verses. So, verse 15. It says, But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, talking about Adam, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. See, the first contrast is between the offense of Adam and the free gift of Jesus. By the trespass of the first man, many died. The many here refers, of course, to Adam's descendants. Death here may include spiritual death as well as physical death. We also now see here in verse 15, the third of Paul's five much more. It's the third much more. The free gift is the marvelous manifestation of the grace of God. Much more grace. This grace, this much more, this abundant grace is made possible by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ. Paul also in this verse uh, describes two different Many's. If you, if you look again in verse 15, he says, For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift of the grace by, by the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. So Paul gives us two different many's here. The first many includes all who became subject to death as a result of Adam's trespass. But the second many in this verse refers to all who became members of the new creation of which Christ Jesus is now our representative. So we're talking about two different people. The first people are those that came subject to the death of Adam. The second are those who made Jesus Christ their representative. This includes only those whom God's grace has abounded, and that's true of every believer. While God's mercy is showered on all, His grace is appropriate only, only by those who trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Verse 16, he says, And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. See, here's another important contrast between Adam's sin and Jesus' gift. See, the one offense of Adam brought inevitable judgment and the verdict was condemnation. 
But the free gift of Christ, on the other hand, dealt effectively with many offenses, not just the one, but many other sins, and resulted in the verdict of acquittal. Through Adam, there was condemnation. Through Jesus, we were acquitted. Paul highlights the difference between Adam's sin and Jesus' gift, between the terrible havoc wrought by Adam's sin and the tremendous deliverance wrought because of these sins through Jesus Christ, through the verdict of justification. Okay, Through Adam's sin, the verdict was condemnation, but through Jesus, the verdict was justification, acquittal. Verse 17 says, If for by one man's offenses death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. See, by one man's offense, death reigned as a cruel tyrant. But by the gracious gift of the righteousness of Christ, a gift that is overflowing in grace, all believers now reign in the life through the one, Jesus Christ. See, the fourth much more that Paul shares with us is the much more gift of righteousness because of his graciousness because of what he did on the cross jesus came and where the death of adam once reigned as a tyrant a cruel tyrant now through jesus christ we it's the reign of righteousness verse 18 he says therefore as through one man's offense judgment came to all men resulting in condemnation even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. See, the offense of Adam brought condemnation to all, but the righteous act of Christ brought justification of all life to all. Okay, let me say that again. The offense of Adam brought condemnation to all, but the righteous act of Christ brought justification to all. The righteous act was not the Savior's life or his keeping the law, but rather his substitutionary death on Calvary. See, this is what brought justification of life to all that receive. It was his, we should have died. We should have been the one hung on the cross. We should have been the one that, have, that, that suffered all of that. But Jesus became our substitute at Calvary. Once again, we see Paul use a word twice that refers to two different people. This time, the word he uses is the word all. The first all that Paul uses right here in verse 18 says that judgment came to all men. This resulted in condemnation. The first all means all who were in Adam. But then the second all that Paul uses says, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification. The second all means all who were in Christ. This is clear from the words in the preceding verse, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. The gift is received by faith. 
only to those who trust in the Lord and receive justification of life through him. Verse 19 says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Just as by Adam's disobedience to God's command, many were made sinners, so also by Christ's obedience to the Father, many who trust in Him are declared righteous. Christ's obedience led Him to the cross as our sin bearer. Jesus' obedience to God the Father led Him to the cross to be our sin bearer. Some will try to use the verse to prove that all people will eventually be saved. That's what the universalist will try to tell you, that, that, that all of us will eventually be saved. But this passage deals with two representatives, and it's clear that just as Adam's sin affects those who are in him, so Christ's act of righteousness affects those who are in him. So only those that are in Christ will be saved. Not all people will be saved, only those who are in Christ. Verse 20 says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Once again, I remind you that the church in Rome is made up of both Jew and Gentile believers. What Paul is telling them would have come as a jolt to the Jewish objectors who felt that everything revolved around the law. The Jews thought everything revolved around the law. And now they're hearing this from Paul. This would have became a, a jolt. This would have became some kind of surprise to them. They, they, they now learn that sin and salvation center not on the law, but on the representatives that being the case, they might be tempted to ask, why then was the law given? Remember, I said last week, Paul is trying to, he's not yet been to Rome, he's not met them, so as he's writing this letter, he's trying to think through the, 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 the Spirit of God. He's trying to, to, to already come up with the questions that they may be asking and then also giving the answer to them. So again, the question is, why was the law given? And the Apostle Paul answers this question that the law entered that the offense might abound. The law did not originate sin. It revealed sin. The law did not originate sin. It revealed sin. The, 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 the fall of Adam, the, 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 the transgression of Adam and Eve in the garden originated sin, but the law of Moses revealed sin against God. It, the, the law did not save from sin, but revealed sin and all its awful character. The fifth much more that Paul shares with us it says where sin abounded God's grace at Calvary abounded much more verse 21 says so that as sin reigned in death even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord now that the reign of sin inflicting death on all has been ended 
grace reigns through Christ, through righteousness, giving eternal life through Jesus to all who call upon Him and make them Lord of their lives. All the demands of God's holiness have been met through Jesus. And the penalty of law has been paid. So God can now grant eternal life to all who come pleading the merits of Christ as their substitute and their representative. Many people have asked, why did God allow sin to enter the world? The answer is that God has received much more glory and man has received much more blessings through Christ's sacrifice than if sin had never entered. I know that's hard to imagine, but think of it. We are better off in Christ than we ever could have been in unfallen Adam. If Adam and Eve had never sinned, they would have enjoyed continued life on earth in the Garden of Eden. But they had no prospect of becoming redeemed children of God. They had no prospect of being an heir of God or a joint heir with Christ Jesus. Adam and Eve had no promise of a home in heaven or being with Christ and like Christ forever. These blessings come only through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. God never desired man to sin, but he already had a plan. He already made a way of redemption through our representative, Jesus Christ. Praise God. Thank God for his eternal work. Thank God for his redemptive plan through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Father, we thank you for this word that is so truth. We thank you, Father God, for uh, just revealing these things to us. Help us, Lord, to increase as we walk out these things in our life. Help us, Lord God, to become disciples of Christ, learning evermore what the word of God says and making these things a light into our feet and unto our path. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all that you're doing in us, through us, and with us. And we declare these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and have a great rest of your week. If you don't have a home church, we would love for you to come and visit us here at Life Church, 100 Todd Road in Perry, Georgia. God bless.